0: Let me tell you something. There are no heroes, only crazy men who lose their mind in the middle of a battle. Every sane person's got his head down, trying to stay alive. But one lunatic runs out there, out of control, crazy, full of hate, and if by some miracle he doesn't die, pin a ribbon on him and send him home and tell him never to be crazy again.
1: What would make somebody act crazy like that? I don't know. Having to watch this movie might just do it. And welcome to this holiday special edition of Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch some of the worst holiday horror movies in history, so that you don't have to. I am W. Adam Clark.
0: Oh wait,
1: that's the wrong theme. My name is Tia, and Happy Fourth of July! Yay! Okay. Or fifth? Is it fifth this year? It's, fourth. I think it's fifth. Monday will be the fourth when this comes out, I believe. Let me check. No, I think no Monday the- will be the fifth. I- Okay, okay, so happy Happy 5th of July. Happy 5th of July. Cinco de July. OK, So you might think that it would be hard to do a holiday horror movie centered on the Fourth of July. And in fact, it might be because I only know of one that specifically centers itself on the Fourth of July. And it might be because the one that I know is crap. And we're going to talk about it today.
0: (laughs) So apparently at some point we will get to a horror-themed film for every holiday. This was the last one that I expected to see.
1: There's a bunch. I don't know that Arbor Day has has a horror movie. But I bet you if I try hard enough on the indies I can find something.
0: A horror film about killer trees. Wasn't that called Evil Dead?
1: I mean, not as much as you'd think. That that tree wasn't killing. It was doing something entirely different that we don't want to be discussing.
0: Uh, Little Shop of Horrors?
1: Was not specifically set on Arbor Day, even though it involved a, a killer plant. Also, Day of the Triffids, not specifically set on on Arbor Day, even though it involved killer plants.
0: Well, let's talk about this movie before we start looking for other ones, because I'm pretty damn sure you're right. We could find this if we wanted to. I,
1: if we... I. With the number of independent movies that come out, the law of, you know, mathematical stability states that sooner or later some fucking body has done that movie. It's just whether or not we can find it. I'm convinced. Anyway, this that we're talking about today is the 1996-1997 Uncle Sam, which is a Larry Cohen, William Lustig, direct-to-video at the tail end of the direct-to-video era horror slasher.
0: It sounds campy. It looks campy. It It is campy. campy. (laughs) Surprisingly deep, though.
1: It it, it has its moments where it tries to be incredibly deep. And some of those moments, it succeeds better than others. Um...
0: I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if the depth was intentional yet. It seems too nuanced not to be, but people have accidentally smarted before.
1: I mean, Larry Cohen does this a lot and so, does, so do William Lustig movies in that, and that's partially because a lot of William Lustig movies were Larry Cohen films, but Larry Cohen does this weird thing in his writing where much like Quentin Tarantino, He will have these brilliantly eloquent scenes where the visual poetry is spot on, the storytelling is well-rounded, everything is well thought out, and all the notes hit. And unlike Quentin Tarantino, who I'm not terribly a fan of, but I will admit has tremendous skill, unlike Quentin Tarantino, Larry Cohen will bookend that scene with two fucking terrible scenes that make no goddamn sense. And that's the difference between the two of them. Quentin Tarantino goes from strength to strength to well this is passable to strength whereas Larry Cohen goes from shit to strength to this is shit to this is barely passable
0: I wonder if the difference is in budget
1: I mean Cohen's had some big budget films you know I mean they're they're all genre films but they're still relatively big budgets I mean even this one was 2 million dollars there's four fucking sets They used nothing but TV character actors, so you know the money wasn't going there. The special effects budget is limited. The practical effects and makeup is terrible, so you know they didn't spend a lot of money on it. $2 million should have been able to get a better movie. Well,
0: We'll have to leave that up to our lovely and discerning audience. This film is available for free on Tubi, as are a lot of surprisingly interesting choices. That streaming platform has got some good stuff. The
1: more I watch Tubi the more I am incredibly impressed with their archivists because they pick up some weird esoteric shit that nobody else is going for and it's all in one manner or another good Mm -hmm. you know like I'm not saying it's all Oscar quality but it's all stuff that fits very unique niches that you can't find anywhere else much like this movie
0: so if you happen to deal in weird esoteric film, like I don't know, us, it's the perfect streaming platform. But before we get off track further, I'll go into what the film is actually about and then we can go ahead and dissect what's <sighs> I still don't know what didn't work. This is a very solid film. Oh Anyways, don't worry, go... I've
1: got I've got I've got some things that went wrong. <laughs> We are well prepared for this film. This is not my first rodeo with (laughs) Uncle Sam. I think I have seen this movie probably four, well, definitely four, possibly five, maybe six times. Don't worry. I'm ready to go.
0: Awesome. Okay. So in Kuwait in 1996, a military helicopter is downed by friendly fire. As other soldiers inspect the wreckage.
1: Well, actually, let me fix that for you because this comes out later. Mm-hmm. the plane went the the chopper went down three years ago mm-hmm. in 1993 during the first gulf War okay it was found three years later because it had been buried under a sandstorm and then just recently unburied okay so the okay. so the helicopter actually went down in 1993 it got okay. buried in a sandstorm it then got uncovered in another sandstorm and now they're trying to figure out who the bodies are in the plane because they're all or in the helicopter, rather, because they're all burned up beyond recognition. But if you watch the opening scene, it tells you the date, Mm -hmm. doesn't tell you the year. That means this scene is happening concurrently with the main action of the film. This scene occurs June 14th, Mm -hmm. three weeks before the main action of the film.
0: Okay, and if you happen to be barely conscious during the time of the Gulf War, you might not have had that to recollect.
1: Yeah, which is fine.
0: As other soldiers inspect the wreckage, Master Sergeant Sam Harper, one of the bodies in the crash, comes back to life and shoots the soldiers that are inspecting the wreck dead before falling back to, I'm going to call it, death. You could call it sleep. We'll get there.
1: Torpor, whatever, yeah. So, the dead guy, who is burned beyond recognition... Except that his face is only smudged and we can see who he is. Wakes up. Oh, sorry. The dead guy who has been buried underground. I don't want to say buried alive because he's been buried dead. But has been buried for three years. Has just been uncovered. Wakes up. Shoots a couple military people. Arguably because they're talking about friendly fire being a thing that happens in war. And it's it's just one of those things. And it's not actually a tragedy. And... The guys in the helicopter were just numbers like with the way the rest of his killing goes i think that's his motivation here but welcome to larry cohen where shit doesn't always make sense so maybe it is maybe it isn't maybe you really shouldn't think about these movies too much because they're just slashers move on there you go
0: sam's body is delivered back to his hometown preparing for the independence day festival Sam's wife, Louise is delivered the casket with Sam's body as it's left in the house of Louise's sister, Sally, and Sally's son, Jody. Jody is a young patriotic boy who idolizes his uncle, Sam, almost to the point of, I'm going to call it fanaticism.
1: Yep. His uncle, who's named Sam. His uncle, Sam.
0: That he's do you patriotically get it? devoted to. Do you get it? Do you, do
1: you, get, it? <laughs> do you get it? Do you get it? It's the 90s. We have to hammer these things in. Do you fucking get it? His fucking Uncle Sam, who Uncle sam for Uncle Sam, and is being brought back to be buried on Uncle Sam Day in the movie Uncle Sam, to make sure that you understand that it's Uncle fucking goddamn it, Sam. Larry Cohen, stop! Alright, I'm sorry. That's out of my system, at least for the <laughs> next 60 seconds. Please continue.
0: On the 4th of July, Sam's body reanimates, and Sam sets loose, killing some local cemetery vandals who had burnt an American flag near his tombstone. Or grave marker. Yeah. During the 4th parade, Sam kills Jody's teacher, who had vocally opposed Vietnam, as in a previous scene he had been called a coward by Jody, who had been told similar by Sam. And shoots Jody's mom's lawyer boyfriend, who admitted to getting some corporation out of paying taxes that they should have paid in the first place. I'm mentioning the reason behind these killings because you will notice a pattern, and I'm going to go into it later. While the killings are taking place, Jody is told by his mom and his mom's sister the type of person Sam really was an alcoholic. No, he's, she's not his sister. She's his ex. She's his widow. Right. Somehow. There's she a reason why him.
1: you have trouble keeping that part. And we'll go into that with, you know, why this movie didn't work later. But yeah, go ahead. Try that one again.
0: During the parade, Jody is taken aside by his mom and Sam's widow, Louise, and explain the type of man Sam really was, an abusive psychopath who only enlisted to have a free pass to kill other people. At the parade, Jody is informed by Barry, a friend who had been badly hurt by fireworks the year before, and who Sam creates a mental link with, that Sam is back from the dead and is responsible for all the local killings.
1: Right. So just in case anybody missed this plot point, because it's important and fucking dumb, we know that Sam, the supernatural killer who has no supernatural capabilities except for the fact that he's a conscious zombie, so that makes him a lich, conscious zombie soldier who's a morality killer, but his specific form of morality killing is killing people he deems to be unpatriotic, is discoverable by a young child who got burned and blinded last year at the 4th of July spectacle, by fireworks, not mystical fireworks, not magical fireworks, just regular firework injuries, apparently cause you to gain supernatural powers. Please Maybe continue.
0: Maybe one of the fireworks had a shard of his vilectory in it. No. <laughs> that was a box of medals. No. Sam- now. <laughs> Sam's mentor, Jed, who is Isaac Hayes, and I will use that name interchangeably because it's Isaac Hayes. Goes with Isaac the Hayes,
1: to... who is best known for being Isaac fucking Hayes. <laughs> oh, he's so good.
0: Mm-hmm. Goes with the boys to Jody's house where they find the sergeant who had delivered Sam's body buried and stuffed in the coffin in his place. The sergeant who literally admitted to only doing bereaved duties to sleep with grieving widows. Right. Again, this is important because motivation for killings right
1: admitted it in a phone call that uncle sam had no fucking possibility of overhearing because his supernatural capabilities apparently include phone taps question mark fuck logic please continue
0: realizing that sam will likely go after Luis, sam's widow who was sleeping around while he was away the group goes to louise's house Sam, who is there, blames Isaac Hayes for making him an undead killing machine, as Jed had told Sam glorious stories of war and combat and how wonderful it is, and basically hyped it up without telling him, oh yeah, and I'm the only man of my platoon who survived, war is bad, this is bad, and you shouldn't be the skung-ho about it. Isaac Hayes counters by telling Sam that Sam never fought for his country, that Sam only killed for the love of killing and nothing else. Isaac Hayes' gun doesn't work on Sam, so the adults run to grab Jed's cannon that was gifted to Jed, ironically, by Sam himself. Jody keeps Sam occupied, as Sam tells him Jody is the reason that Sam came back from the dead in the first place. Luring Sam outside, Jed blows Sam up with the cannon, destroying Sam in a hail of fire works at Sam's widow's house. Yes, I know. The movie then ends with Jody's mom watching Jody burn all of his war memorabilia and trinkets after finding out the type of man Sam truly was.
1: Yay. (laughs) It's over, right? Perfect. Okay. Do the numbers. All right. So the numbers on this one, really quickly. Rating is R. Genre is slasher horror. Directed by William Lustig, who is best known for the Maniac Cop series movie hit list and the movie vigilante the writer larry cohen who is best known for the it lives series which we'll cover at some point the maniac cop series and the movie the stuff which all we have to cover because that movie is so bad and so good in so many ways the movie was produced by a company called apex entertainment apex no longer exists they were a low budget video distribution company And a subsidiary of Unipix Entertainment, they folded in 2001 after their parent company filed for bankruptcy, probably because they made a bunch of shitty movies like this. The release date for this movie was July 4th, 1997, even though the copyright date for the movie is 1996. I don't know why. I tried to look, couldn't get the information, there we go. The budget for this movie was $2 million. The box office gross was none because it was direct-to-video. And the runtime is 1 hour, 29 minutes. Pretty much the perfect length for a direct-to-video film. Rotten Tomatoes gives the movie a critical score of 56, and I don't know how. And an audience score of 26, and I know exactly how. IMDb gives it a aggregate score of 4.5. The movie stars David Frolic as Sam Harper, who was best known for playing Matt Hogan in Inferno in 1999 and one of the car thieves in Gone in 60 Seconds. TV actress Leslie Neal plays Sally Barker and TV character actress Ann Tremko plays Louise Harper. And Isaac Hayes plays Isaac Hayes playing Lou Gossett Jr. playing Sergeant Crowley. There we go. That's about all we need from this one holiday horror always works okay the reason why holiday horror always works is holiday horror is the inversion trope fit to a t it is taking something that is celebrated and accepted and generally seen as wholesome and using it as a background for something horrifying that's why holiday horror works that's why you have so many horror movies set at christmas time because even if you don't celebrate christmas you You understand the iconography. You know who Santa Claus is. So the idea of a Santa Claus who is an axe murderer immediately plays with your mind. And that's all the audience needs to see on a poster to suddenly know what this movie is about and have intrigue and have a vested interest. This is why holiday horror works. So this movie uses the imagery of Uncle Sam and tries to do the same thing you would do with Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and a number of different holidays so what went wrong
0: good question i don't have a clear-cut answer i'm Ah. sure you
1: do i'm sure you have multiple clear-cut answers please hit the rant button i'll be back in a minute folks okay so here we go here we go with the rant all right so first off In something that is very unusual for 90s, much more a thing in the 70s and 80s, so this movie feels awkward because of it, there's not much of a kill count in this movie. There are a total of 16 people that die, five of which happen before the killer comes home to Twin Rivers, and one of which happens to the killer himself. So you have a killer in the movie who is responsible for a total of 10 deaths. That's very early 80s. That's very Friday the 13th levels of body count. Not what you were seeing from horror in the 90s, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing, we have a killer who is ostensibly a morality killer. They're playing it as a morality killer, except that he's not a moral person. That's almost an interesting twist. And I say almost because they fuck it up. Let's call him a patriotism killer. So... The first four people he kills are two soldiers, a sergeant and a major, who are discussing whether or not friendly fire is an acceptable cause in war. Um, Don't think you'd ever have that conversation from those four fucking people. There's the first problem. Find me a major that says, you know what? Eh, Friendly fire. It's a thing that happens. We're kind of okay with it. That's fucking bullshit to start with. Secondly, you have a corpse who comes alive after three years to kill these four people. So we've established that there's some kind of supernatural thing going on here. Except that it's never addressed and never touched on. Maybe they were planning it in the sequel, like they did with Maniac Cop. Fucking hell, I'm glad this movie didn't get a sequel, like Maniac Cop. And then we have er, er, Willie, who has his eyes gouged out with gardening shears, and then his costume is taken and you almost think that maybe the gardening shears are going to be like uncle sam's you know weapon. trademark weapon yeah no no that doesn't happen by the way what was his crime uh he was a uh, peeping tom
0: yeah on a woman after she was out of the shower
1: okay how is that unpatriotic so your entire uh- complex <laughs> for your killer is fucking destroyed with his first main location kill
0: you have to understand how the movie lays it out, though. The movie lays it out as we, the audience, understand why he's killing these people, but nobody as else As we, the does. audience,
1: how, why is he killing these people?
0: Because we see them do bad things. We see the lawyer defending the fact that he got the corporation off on tax breaks. We see the right. sergeant admitting... And, but
1: to... but their point to that is supposed to be because defrauding the government is bad for the country.
0: I didn't read it like that, but okay. But,
1: but he's a patriot, he, he's a patriot killer. So, he... So he kills people who do things that are bad to the country, so...
0: Right, and the lawyer defrauded the government, which right. was a bad thing for the country.
1: Okay, yeah, right. So it's a bad thing for the country, right. Next one, go for it.
0: Next one is the sergeant who was doing bereaved duties to be able to sleep with grieving widows when they have their guard down.
1: Okay, yeah. Again, a skeezy thing for a military person to do. Bad on, looks bad on the military. Unpatriotic, great. Explain to me how a peeping Tom is an unpatriotic act. I dare you.
0: First kill out of necessity, because he needed a disguise, and
1: that was it. Super stretchy. Barely going to give you that one, if at all. And I'm not. Okay. okay. So, first one. Already breaks his motive for killing. Great. Uh, second one. One of the guys who was burning a flag. The kid, you know, who was burning the flag. The pieces of the flag landed in his grave.
0: Drawing and spray painting uh, swastikas on the headstones.
1: Right. I will give you... That he knew the flag burners were burning a flag for supernatural reasons because part of the flag landed in his grave. You can do enough supernatural gymnastics there that he understood this one and somehow knew who the three kids were. And probably should have actually known who the three kids were because he grew up in this town. So... I'll give you that one. That's a good patriotic kill.
0: See, that's the weird thing. I didn't get the idea of patriotic killing. If there was anything, I got the read that they're trying to do the idea of making a statement by pointing the hypocrisy of the counter statement. Because he's a representative of the United States military, by default, he's supposed to have the blessing from the government to do what he does. Whatever the killings may be even if they're not completely tied to patriotism in some way. That was more for the audience to understand why we want these people dead, because we see, in real time, the kind of pieces of crap that these people are.
1: Right. But if he doesn't have a specific motive, he's just killing indiscriminate. And Slasher's I, never- That's why I-
0: that's why I called it morality and not patriotic. I think it's morality as defined by, in this case, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which if you frame it like that, all of his killings make sense.
1: Really? Where does the Uniform Code of Military Judgment, uh, Justice have anything to do with the IRS? By your definition, the pro- now the peeping Tom, you have a justification for, and the guy who was helping a company to legally not pay their taxes— and therefore can't be brought up on any form of code of justice, military included, now invalidates the kill structure. Either way you want to justify this, he's broken his fucking cycle.
0: There actually is a uh, tax disclosure to federal agencies in the UCMJ, on the IRS government website.
1: (laughs) Right. Except that he didn't illegally not pay taxes. He used a legal device to not pay taxes.
0: Morality killer. He has a moral justification even though it was legal. He was legally in the right morally on behalf of the government He did wrong guy dies.
1: Okay, so you're back to wanting him to be a morality killer now
0: But you aren't mutually exclusive
1: Well, the point is is you've got to pick one reasoning that works for all of the kills and when you go through this list You're not going to be able to and that's why this doesn't work
0: So. Being a morality killer with the morality itself based on the uniform code of military justice doesn't account for all of it.
1: The girl who was working the cookout.
0: Conduct on becoming because of smoking pot.
1: She's not actually enlisted. You can't use combat on becoming under the justice code. No matter what justification you use for this character. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no matter what justification you use for this character, there's at least one kill that breaks every single justification. Um, okay. That, that's fair. Yeah. So there's the first place. There's the first place that this falls down. No matter what, if you want him to be a patriotism killer, if you want him to be a morality killer, if you want him to be a territory killer, if you want him to just be a deranged abuser, like at least one of the kills doesn't ever make sense. Mm-hmm. So his modus operandi is never actually cleared out. You just came up with a bunch of cool kills that you wanted to do and threw them into a movie and just hoped that it would fucking work somehow. And it doesn't, including Deputy Phil Burks. What did Deputy Phil Burks do wrong? By any definition, he's trying to get with a dead man's wife. Well, he's a dead man. There's nothing illegal there. There's nothing immoral there. There's nothing unpatriotic there. Personal. But now you're making him a personal killer, at which point three of the murders had nothing to do with him. So that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. no matter what definition you want to try to use to justify him as a slasher killer, a minimum of two of his ten kills suddenly don't work. So no matter what direction you go, he fucking fails at his job. His job is to be a slasher killer, and these are the things that trigger the monster under the bed. Well, but the monster under the bed has to follow rules. Otherwise, he's no longer the monster under the bed. He's just some dude who's out there killing everybody. Number two, once we have established that there are three weeks in between... When his body appears in the plane, and when his casket is brought home, there are three weeks in between those two elements. Why does his physical appearance completely fucking change? Okay. He didn't decay in three years. He's going to rapidly decay in three weeks, most of which he's going to be in cold storage.
0: So, I did actually think about this. I'm not saying it's a good justification. I'm saying it's a justification. They found the wreckage three some odd years in the middle of the desert, presumably buried under how much potential sand and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Sand, not the best, does offer some protection from the elements if you're under it.
1: Yeah, if you're under it and not in the inside of a helicopter where it wouldn't have been filled with sand. Thus, he was surrounded by an air pocket, so his body would have decayed. So we
0: saw that we it didn't, so we can't justify the three years. However... Once it's pulled out of that environment and brought back to his... Okay, I'm going to use this term. It is not the way the term is usually used, but I'm going to call it the place of power. Okay. When he starts getting close to his nephew who idolizes him, Uh and the people who have, in some way, shape, or form, in his mind, done him wrong, and the fact he's just a pure psychopath who doesn't need a reason for killing, he just does it, Mm -hmm. could be a supernatural justification for why he was burned for three years and nothing happened, and then as he gets closer to raising from the dead, then the acceleration of decay begins, as well as the acquirement of his, I came back from the dead in the first place, bitches, powers.
1: Except that he had come back from the dead powers before he got there. That's how he came back from the dead and killed literally two thirds of his kills in the entire movie because he came back from the dead in the right. middle of the desert and right. shot four soldiers.
0: Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was only the two. The one that he shot through and the major, no, no. But...
1: The, there were four. But regardless, he came back from the dead in the middle of the desert. As right. far and removed from his place immediately... of power as possible.
0: Right. When soldiers were nearby. Friendly fire. The reason he died in the first place. Oh, so
1: All right. I, it's a... St- I, I I'll didn't give see you... It. I will give you that stretch. It's a stupidly bad stretch. It still doesn't explain why his face looks human immediately after the burn and he's discovered. And then... 3 weeks later looks completely emaciated after he would have been embalmed which means there would be less damage visible not more it doesn't work i'll tell you why it happened why it happened was somebody decided after they were done filming that they were going to shoot that in that beginning sequence to try to you know make the film make more sense and to give more justification and that was probably never part of the original script and they went back to reshoot that after the movie was over and they realized that they didn't have the makeup anymore so that's why it's shot in the dark where you can't really see his face and you never see his hands and all you see is a smudgy black thing where his face should be that looks nothing like his face looks in the rest of the fucking movie that's the reason why it happened shitty filmmaking is why it happened
0: (laughs) i can only justify so much against shitty filmmaking
1: (laughs) yeah all right so there's you got another what went wrong the killer doesn't work the kills don't work i Don't want to take anything against child actors because being a child actor is fucking hard. But the kid that plays the nephew, you know, arguably your primary character, your protagonist, is as wooden as a box of fucking matches. His emoting is fucking terrible. His line delivery is poor. Like, it's not troll too poor, but it's pretty fucking poor. And with the exception of scenes where he's talking about his superhero uncle, all of the rest of his scenes are just wooden and painful to watch. So you never really get a lot of emotional connection to your protagonist. Your protagonist never feels like a protagonist. Your protagonist at best feels like a victim the entire movie.
0: I mean, I guess I can see that. I, I kind of figured, the way that I saw it when I was watching it, it kind of seemed more like he was embodying the wild, pioneering frontier spirit of a 12-year-old who knows everything and isn't going to listen to what the hell you say. Right. And he's right and you're
1: wrong. And he did, but he did it with the acting ability of a 12-year-old who's not going to listen to anything you say. So none of his scenes delivered. That's what he was going for. I don't see where he found fa- Okay, there's a difference between I'm not going to listen to you. I know that my uncle was a hero, and I don't care what you say. You're making this up, and you're lying. That scene, you can believe the emoting as a 12-year-old. Why are you making this up? Why are you lying to me? I don't believe my uncle would ever do that. That doesn't deliver, and that's the scene we get. It is dry. It is bland. And it doesn't help the emotion of the film in any way.
0: Okay, I can kind of see where you're coming
1: from. All right, number three. You have two female leads, Leslie Neal and Tramco. Uh One plays Sally Barker, who is the sister of Sam Harper. Uh And one plays Louise Harper, who is the former wife of Sam Harper. Okay, Uh first off, you never see... Leslie's former husband and like he's never really brought up and like there's not even like a cutscene or an old scene of like him and Sam being buddies or anything even though that's kind of inferred I don't necessarily have a problem with not doing extra fade to black memories of the past scenes because generally they're overdone oddly here they're underdone but whatever filmmaking technique personal choice that's fine what doesn't work is when you only have two female fucking leads and really two female fucking actresses that have any lines whatsoever in the movie why the ever-loving fuck do you cast two women that look like they should be sisters because i have seen reviews of this movie where it says that they were sisters and even you first when you were doing the thing Mm -hmm. went sisters wait no no they're not It's a brother and sister, not a sister and sister. Like, everyone fucks this up, and it's because the two actresses fucking look identical. Have one of them put on a goddamn wig. It's all you needed to do. Like, even if you really, really, really wanted these two for some fucking reason, have one of them put on a goddamn brunette or redhead wig so that they're not two blondes who have similar hairstyles, identical noses, and identical chins.
0: I'm actually gonna think say that was a creative decision, and I think I even understand the reason why.
1: To be confusing?
0: No. In the scene where they're explaining to Jody why Sam wasn't the greatest man, they made it explicitly clear that for from a very young age, I believe it was six, he raped his sister and did it consistently until he moved out to go to the military, I believe, right. or moved out to marry. That, but that part's not clear. What is clear is that he sexually abused the shit out of his sister. Now, this is external knowledge. I have no idea if the movie was going that deep. However, sexual abusers have a type. Look who he married.
1: I'm not going to give this movie that much credit. I will give you the credit that you have a valid point. However... It's
0: not that far removed for me to believe that somebody who did that level of horrific shit wouldn't try to find someone to also put under his thumb. That wasn't just... A separate DNA, but identically to what he'd been going after for fucking decades.
1: And again, I'll give you that point. I will tell you that in filmmaking, even if you want to make that point, you don't get two blonde actresses that fucking look exactly alike. You get two blonde actresses that are both blonde and actresses, but that's about as close as they go, because you want to make sure that you can tell them apart. So... The movie went wrong. It was bad casting. Mm. All right. Again, this movie has fleeting moments of brilliance. And then also just there's moments where the movie is psychologically intriguing, but then you don't. It's not a true psychological horror film. In the end, they show Jody, the, the young nephew, burning everything that relates to war and soldiers and his uncle. And you assume that everything is fine and good. And then the last shot of the movie is a face track where they slow the frames down until it freeze frames on Jody giving a sinister smile to the camera and does that slow 70s fade out like maybe the killer just changed hands. Like you went through a whole scene of him just deciding that all of this was bad and now you're gonna end in the maybe-the-killer-was-the-family-line-all-along kind of bullshit? Like, just so that you can maybe do a sequel? It doesn't fucking work. You have a kid who gets... It's its a side point that isn't even brought up. Fucking seed this shit. If you're going to introduce a character who got blown the fuck up at last year's 4th of July party, and got burned, and got maimed, and there was a court case about it, and that would have been the major fucking thing that happened in this town over the last year. At some point before you introduce that fucking character, you seed it with the mayor going, man, I just hope we don't have a problem like last year. You seed the fireworks being set up by guys in bunker gear, and you go, hey, hey, make sure you set them up safely. We don't want a recurrence of last year. Like, you build for that a little bit. Even if you're not going to explain how a kid burned by fireworks suddenly gains fucking superpowers and becomes psychic. Even if you're not going to explain the, the shitty bullshit tie-in so that someone can identify the killer. At least seed your fucking character properly. Because this storyline starts, and it's really just a complete left turn about a woman complaining about not getting just desserts for her son in a court case so like maybe now you're expecting that there's going to be some kind of interplay between that and the killer and there kind of is because the killer goes you were wronged too. I'm going to go after the people that wronged you so that you can feel better so now he's a sympathetic killer because now we're going to add in an entirely another definition for why he's killing people just we to... we're up to five different like, killing types fuck this movie come <laughs> up with a concept and fucking run with it larry cohen you're better than this <laughs> now i have a question regarding
0: the final scene that you just mentioned yeah would there be any justification for the sinister smirk that he gives because most psychopaths that are documented in real life, they tend to have something that leads up to it. Uh, killing animals is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, a really syndrome, family yeah. Member. Okay. And up to this point, we have seen Jody be very gung-ho, very dedicated in his patriotism. Very, very pro-violence, believing... yes. Okay. Believing the shit that his uncle fed him in letters. hmm We've seen him go through a brutal killing of what was his hero, even as an undead person, still going to have an effect on someone. And then he ends the movie by burning, as his uncle was burned in the beginning of the film, he ends the movie by burning all this war shit, which is his own expression of a violent act to whatever end. Is that any reason that could possibly justify him, you know, the wheel turning and... Maybe this is, has a genetic component, maybe it has a familiar component, maybe the fucking beast just got let out of its cage.
1: Maybe, and maybe if that's what you were setting up, you needed to seed something more about the fucking father. Which is why I said a little bit of backstory and reference about the father would have been useful. Okay, okay. that makes sense. Because remember, the only genetic connection that he has to Uncle Sam mm-hmm. is his mother. Mm -hmm. and we know it doesn't come on her side because Mm -hmm. she is very anti-violence she is very anti-war she is one who is much more likely to choose flight than fight you see it repeatedly in the film so psychotic violence is not in her makeup so that means it can't be in her sons unless it comes from the father because it can't it doesn't it doesn't get to move like a horse in chess it doesn't skip a generation and then go sideways
0: That's that's fair. That's reasonable.
1: So if you want to use that justification, you need to seed it in the film. Otherwise, your film goes wrong.
0: The only thing that's ever mentioned is her explaining this is why I had such a problem with your father is because I can't trust men if you're really stretching it And I'm not and you know me about stretching shit, right? You could stretch that to say Because of her previous history, maybe she has bad taste in men, maybe history repeated itself. If they made that explicit, the ending of the film suddenly makes
1: sense. Right. If they did, and they didn't. And in fact, they they went the other way by, you know, it's a a fact of your omission. When Mm -hmm. she's talking about somebody brutalizing her during her childhood, and then mentions her husband... And the reason why she was never able to be close to her husband was because she was brutalized in her childhood. The fact that she never once said, and also because your husband gave me, because my husband also gave me those vibes. Or, and my husband also beat me. Or, and my husband also, you know, attacked me. Because none of that is said in the scene where she's trying to justify her actions. You have to assume it never happened. So because you have to assume it never happened, you have to assume it can't happen in Jody, And then it happens in Jodie. Fuck this movie.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean shit, it really does. Yeah. All the possible stretching I could I could yeah. come up with. That's, and, and, that's and, all the devil's advocacy I could possibly muster.
1: For and thing. then the cannon at the end, I mean, I know it's a it's a movie and this is an excusable thing, and if the movie had been good up to this point, it would be excusable because that's what you do with good movies. But because it's been bad up to this point, the cannon fires a giant ball of metal. Balls of metal are notoriously inert. The ball of metal that that cannon fires first blows up immediately on contact with the ground. Weird, not the way cannons work, but it's a film cannon. And in film cannon, film cannons do weird things. Do you like what I just did there? Somebody will appreciate that. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we have now established that this cannon fires magical exploding fireballs. Mm -hmm. So now Isaac Hayes reloads the cannon. Right, I remember this Which he means. somehow does in two minutes, even though it was just fired, with only one person.
0: How That's, long is the average cannon reload times?
1: Uh, longer than that with a team of four. Jeez, okay. <laughs> so, I'm already ridiculously impressed with his ability, okay? Mm-hmm. Now that he's got done this, Chef lights the cannon again, and it fires, and good news, children! It hits the killer dead square in the stomach. With the force of a cannon fired from 15 feet away. Somehow, doesn't split him in half and just keep on going like it should. Also, doesn't explode immediately on contact with a target like it just fucking did two minutes ago. This cannonball has new physics, different from real world physics and the physics of the last cannonball. This cannonball is a solid object with a timer because it hits him in the stomach and then... Flies him backwards into the house. Mm -hmm. And then fucking explodes.
0: So it doesn't explode until it hits the house wall. No, they go through the house wall.
1: Into the living room. And then it explodes. So apparently these are magical cannonballs that only explode when they make contact with a horizontal surface. And until then are unstoppable slabs of metal that will blow through any vertical surface. Except... ...doesn't blow through a human body... ...instead attaches the human body to it... ...and goes through any other surface? Fuck this canon! Fuck this movie! I would say fuck Isaac Hayes... ...but, you know... ...I, I, I have too much respect for the Duke to do that. <sighs> ...psychic children... ...in plot points that don't work... ...I mean, Isaac Hayes doing his... ...alright, Isaac Hayes... ...I love Isaac Hayes as an actor... ...and you get two great Isaac Hayeses, okay? If you watch Isaac Hayes movies... Isaac Hayes falls into three categories. Isaac Hayes, who, I mean, it's a film that he feels he should be excited about, but isn't. And you get a a C plus Isaac Hayes performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. This also is, would be most of his voice work, with the exception of a half a dozen episodes, most of his voice work for South Park. Okay. Just your, your rank and file Isaac Hayes doing Isaac Hayes things. But the really good Isaac Hayes, the Isaac Hayes that you want is in one of two categories. Either the Isaac Hayes that really attaches to a role and really wants something to happen and really wants to demonstrate the emotional range of this scene. And you get this beautifully campy, over-the-top Isaac Hayes. And you get that Isaac Hayes in one scene in this movie. And that's where he's trying on his uniform for the first time in years. To go to a funeral because old army men that's the only time you wear your uniform anymore is funerals once you reach a certain age the only time you break that shit out is for funerals so he's trying it on and he's remembering all of his war buddies that he's buried in this uniform and he breaks down and he's like why God why was I the one that came back I ain't never done nothing important in my life why didn't I die Why didn't you let somebody who could have done something more important live? Great Isaac Hayes. The other great Isaac Hayes is when Isaac Hayes gives no fucks. And he's here to collect a paycheck or to buy a new car. And that's it. And Isaac Hayes, in those moments, is the most aloof, not-giving-a-shit motherfucker on set in any film anywhere. And that Isaac Hayes is hilarious. Because you know he's collecting a paycheck. He knows he's collecting a paycheck. The director knows he's collecting a paycheck, but can't do shit about it because Isaac Hayes gives no fucks. And you get that Isaac Hayes also in this movie in like two scenes where he's just there in the background and other people are talking and other people are acting and they're doing it poorly. And he's just there like catering. and still going to be open when we're done this scene, right? Like just totally like, At one spot, I swear he looks directly into a lens, and that's why they had to cut the shot and move to another camera. Because otherwise, you would have seen him going, "Do you believe this shit?" Like it. it, So in this movie, you oddly get both Isaac Hayes and the in-between Isaac Hayes for most of the movie. So you get the wide variety of Isaac Hayes, which is hilarious. You get six degrees of Isaac Hayes in this movie, which is hilarious but is not good for this film because it just goes to show that Isaac Hayes did this movie because he really wanted to do that one scene and the rest of the time didn't give a shit. Except for these one or two times where he wanted to see what this other person could do, so he kind of shows up. But the absolute worst part of this movie for me, and I will admit this is personal, but it also ties into the entire premise of the movie as well as the the holiday of the movie and just the the whole the whole fucking thing. Okay. The way the we regret to inform you is delivered. I know that the guy who's delivering it is a sle- is a sleaze ball. Mm-hmm. However, at this point, you're not supposed to know he's a sleaze ball. You're supposed to take this scene as if he is a honest wholesome member of the military community, doing his job. And he is doing the most somber, the most fucking hated job you can do in the military and because of that there is only one way this conversation ever occurs and it starts wrong now the reason why this pisses me off is not only do I know people who have done those details not only have I been in rooms when those details were delivered so I know exactly what it sounds like so I know it's fucking wrong anyone who has any military history is also going to know that it's fucking wrong as a writer it's more than easy enough to research how that scene should be done you have millions of fucking people that can tell you how that scene should be done fuck you work in Hollywood I know for a fact a lot of actors that have military history or mili- or come from military families mm-hmm. so I'm willing to bet there were people on set when they were filming that that knew that scene was wrong and it doesn't get fixed
0: just so we're clear, which one, is, is it the first time we see him or yes. is it the... Yes, the first okay. time.
1: When he shows up and goes, your husband, who was announced missing three years ago, we found the wreckage. And now what do you want done with the body? And all of that. That scene. Mm-hmm. I get that it's not the we regret to inform you because the actual we regret to inform you happened three years ago. But even still, when you're approaching a grieving widow, there is a specific way that that shit gets handled and it wasn't handled right. And in the second scene, It kind of intimates that this is how he normally handles them, Mm -hmm. which means this is how he normally does them, which is not how that detail is assigned. Okay. What I mean to say is there is usually one or two people that handle these details. However, Mm -hmm. the way the detail is handled is handled differently than the way he says he handles it, in part vis-a-vis only one person showing up at the door. That's not how it goes.
0: Is it normally, like, more than one that's assigned to do this? Yes.
1: Because that person okay. always has a driver. There is always a second person present. Always, always, always. Always, always, okay. always. Always, 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 always. And okay. in doubt da- when in doubt, always. Okay. At least two. In fact, I know other I, I know other forms where it's always three because you make sure that there are a number of people there. Because the way this information can be handled is going to be drastically different and none of them are fucking good. And you need to be prepared for what's gonna happen next. So yeah the yeah you know, one guy walks up and and hi i was waiting in your fucking house cuz you weren't home fuck no and yeah just everything about that scene is just fucking wrong every single part and even in 1996 when i first saw that that put a sour taste in my mouth for the rest of the movie so add that to a pile of what went wrong this and a whole fucking ton of things went wrong in this movie so, who is this movie for? Um, Isaac Hayes Completionist?
0: He is the redeeming spot of the movie by a massive long shot. He so. really is.
1: If there are any David Frolic, Leslie Neal, or Anne Tremco fans out there, which I'm sure there's a few, and you haven't seen this, you probably want to check it out. If you are a huge fan of holiday horror and just want some holiday horror to watch with your 4th of July, or arguably... Work would work for Memorial Day like honestly I think this movie would have worked better for Memorial Day because then the themes would have made more sense like if you made this Memorial Day Massacre and everything happens on Memorial Day you know a day designed to be set aside for the remembrance of deceased soldiers the plot triples in value but they didn't they made it fourth of July
0: and to be honest we already have a really good movie uh, not horror but about this premise called Born on the Fourth of July
1: yeah, we also have a better movie made about this premise called Independence Day.
0: That too.
1: Yeah, so there's reasons to watch this movie. Also, if you just really like bad slasher movies, because I mean... Th- that will do it. That's a type. This'll do it. This is a bad slasher movie. So I've ranted for far too long. Do you want to throw anything in real quick?
0: I would love to, but I honestly was just enjoying letting you go at it, because you clearly have more of an emotional investment on the follies of this film and what could have been. Oh. So... I'm not trying, I was, I apologize for being silent so long, I just, I was letting you just have it, because there's, the last time I think you were this animated was a fuck this movie rant about, what was the last fuck this movie that you did? I don't know, but it's been too long, and I wanted you to have one.
1: It's been a a while since I really, you know, fucking fuck this movie went off, but uh, yeah, this is one that, near and rear to my heart, we'll put it that way, Uh, because this movie is ass. (laughs) <laughs> um, I guess the last one was The Video Dead. Yes, the last one was definitely The Video Dead. So I in fact did not fuck this movie at all in the month of June. It has been a full 2 months because it was week 1 of May and it's now week 1 of July. So it has been a full 2 months since I have been able to go. Fuck this movie. All right, I feel better. So
0: I wanted you to have it. I was okay with being I was okay with being second fiddle slash Rant driver, as I tried to feebly justify. This oh, you movie just kept many poking
1: many me with friends. a stick. It was great. Yeah, Poked-y, So pooked-y,
0: pooked-y. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see. I already have a kind of a feeling. You know what it is, but I can't wait to see what you're gonna score this. So, what's the scoring look like?
1: Okay, so at Don't Watch This Film, we have a rather unique scoring system, lovingly referred to as the DWTF meter. On the DWTF meter, every film scores a one, because let's face it. You shouldn't watch any of these movies. However, the important thing is one out of what? A one out of one is a lost or misunderstood classic who perhaps was made in 2005 and everybody needs to go see because you missed it the first time. A one out of two is a great movie that is mildly flawed all the way down to a one out of 10 in which the cast, directors, and crew that were responsible for that film should be lined up in front of Isaac Hayes' Magic Cannon. And now that I've said that out loud, it really has a different connotation than I intended. And gets shot in the face, which also has a different connotation than I had originally intended. But you know what? They deserve it. I'm all for it. So, Tia, would you like to go first or second?
0: we We'll go ahead and go first. Okay. Because I have to leave a room for your reaction to my scoring because, yeah.
1: Give it a one out of so, two. Give it a one out of two. I dare you. Give it a one out of two.
0: going Gonna be that generous? My God. Good, good. I have some standards. I mean, not a lot, but I have them.
1: I mean, you work with me, so we know that your standards are already low.
0: So, despite everything that you have heard, which is completely 100% valid, and I'm not saying that it isn't, I found, personally, a lot to like about this movie.
1: There is a lot to like.
0: It is a very interesting character study about how a young impressionable kid can hear a lot of tales about a relative he's never really interacted with and the effect that building someone up in your mind when you haven't gotten a chance to really know who they are or been told who they really are or even if you have in some cases how that can affect your perception to the point you build them up to be this godlike figure and the disillusion which again the kid could have emoted a little bit more but we literally do see his world crumble around him. Literally the narrative that he'd build up about his uncle just falls apart beginning of act three towards the finale. It's a very interesting character study on how that psychology happens. Uh, I thought the makeup was really really good. the practical effects are not bad. The makeup on Sam especially is like pretty damn good. I mean he looked creepy and was able to move in the prosthetics surprisingly well.
1: I have a theory on that. My theory is that most of the time he wasn't in the prosthetics, and that's why they were using the um, Uncle Sam mask.
0: All that said, it's not a forgotten classic. It's not a gem you need to rush and go out. I don't even necessarily think you're going to watch it more than once if you even go that far. I However, I, I do think.
1: I wish I hadn't. <laughs> Fuck, why have I watched this movie five times?
0: Five times! <laughs> uh, it's going to be a thing now, isn't it?
1: Probably. Yeah. <laughs>
0: However, if you're watching it at least once, I do think that there is enjoyment to be had out of at least one viewing. And the psychology of seeing someone go through that metamorphosis from this go-hung, patriotic, I want to be just like my uncle because I want to go and kill all the bad guys, to burning his memorabilia in the backyard because he realizes now, holy shit, my uncle was actually kind of a bad person, I'm going to give this a one out of four. Watch it at least once. Enjoy what you can out of it. I don't necessarily think you need to watch it again, but I think it's a solid afternoon popcorn flick when the weather's not too good or you really have nothing else to do on a 4th of July weekend, which you should. But if you don't, put this on, say you watched it, and don't take it too seriously, and I think it's a pretty good time.
1: Okay. I'm not going to say that any of that is invalid. I think, that that, that, I think that's a fair shake. Larry Cohen exists in this weird space of so close to being a great writer, except that I think he thinks he already is. Larry Cohen needs a, a healthy dose of imposter syndrome because, my god, he has, like I said, he has flashes of brilliance that are tucked into otherwise really shitty projects, and fuck, he needs someone to go over and Give treatments on his treatment until they're actually good movies because very rarely does he actually write a good screenplay he writes great scenes in bad scene plays and bad screenplays this uh, and like like little things like even one of the things that I didn't even bring up and what went wrong and was like this fucking killer is killing people at a fucking parade in broad fucking daylight Moving through the crowd and no one fucking sees him and even when they see him. They're like, oh, who was it in the Uncle Sam costume? I'm sorry That's not the correct answer because we know that the guy that was walking on stilts was a local and we know that he wore this costume every fucking Year, so and yeah, the correct answer is not gee who's in the Uncle Sam costume the correct answer is gee Who's in Willie's Uncle Sam costume. And why isn't Willie here? And why haven't we seen Willie all fucking day? Maybe we should go question the motherfucker walking around in Willie's fucking parade costume. Especially the woman who knew that he was wearing it the night before because he used it to fucking peeping Tommer. Fuck this movie. <laughs> so with that out of the way... If you try not to take the movie seriously, if you just want a, I want to see Friday the 13th, the July 4th edition, if you just want a bad slasher flick that's holiday horror and you want something for your holiday-themed July 4th party, by the way, next year that you're having a holiday-themed July 4th party, please invite me. I would love to attend. (laughs) Even if this movie's on, I would still love to attend if you're just using it for that purpose the movie's fine go ahead and watch it if you're watching this for any other purpose it's it's a one out of six at best i personally where i'm um, would skew it much lower but i understand that the things that i'm skewing it lower for are me problems and may not necessarily be you the listener problems so If I remove my personal vendetta against this film out of the equation I'm gonna give it a one out of six one out of seven let's err on the side of being polite because I know that I have issues with this film and we'll make it a one out of six so one out of six don't pay money to watch this fortunately you don't have to it's on Tubi if you just want some holiday horror watch it this week on Tubi If you want holiday horror for Memorial Day, again, this would have been a much better movie as... Memorial Day Massacre. Do you know why it wasn't Memorial Day Massacre? That wouldn't have sold as well as releasing a horror movie called Uncle Sam on fucking July 4th. That's why this movie was called what it was. So it had nothing to do with the quality of the film. It had nothing to do with the storyline. It was tangentially less involved with its holiday than Jason Voorhees and Friday the 13th. And that's fucking hard to do. So, No not a good movie not a fan not interested i know i'm gonna fucking wind up watching this thing again sometime in the future because i've already watched it five times for some reason it keeps fucking popping up so i know i'm gonna have to sit through this for another hour and a half of my life somewhere down the line i've already i've already consigned myself to this reality fine this is the current timeline it's not it's not the darkest timeline Because it's not watching, it's not having to watch Video Dead for a third time. If I have to choose, if I'm in some kind of saw like environment and I have to choose between watching Uncle Sam four more times or Video Dead once, I'm going to sit down and have a 12 hour viewing of Uncle Sam rather than watch 90 minutes of the fucking video fucking dead again. So it's not good, it's not terrible. It's, it, it has a bit of rancor to it. It's mildly stenched. It's the tail end of direct-to-video horror when all of the better ideas were taken and all of the better scripts were used, done by people who have done better work. And, you know, that's why there was only one of these. There's no mystery as to why this didn't get a sequel. This didn't get a sequel because the film barely delivers but it does deliver on points. So eh <laughs> it is what it is. It could be worse. It could be worse. It most definitely should have been better. That's a decent place for a one out of six. All
0: right. All right that's it.
1: That's that's Uncle Sam. So with that out of the way, uh we would like to thank everyone who made this movie possible granted this one we can watch for free but after this I need to go drink and that's not going to be for free so we would like to thank our patrons again this week uh, Ali Alcatraz and Adrian Sandu for their support on the patreon if you're interested in supporting the patreon remember that even $1 is terribly useful $1 $5 $10 $20 there's a there's a level for everyone thank you very much for all of the people that do support and fuck this movie.
0: Thank you so much to our patrons and to our listeners. You are the reason that we do this, but we also understand if money is hard to come by these days. If that is the case for you, I hope that it is not for much longer. However, if you don't have a dollar, but you do have a social media presence, we do have a fairly active Twitter at Don't Watch This F. We post when our patron polls are up so they can be voted on. We post when new episodes have been released. We try to keep up with what's new and current in the world of horror. So if you don't have a dollar, but you do have a presence, a like, a follow, a comment, a retweet, boosts engagement, gets more ears on the podcast, which helps us immensely. Any way you decide to show support, we thank you for it and we appreciate you, are the reason that... Adam has watched the video dead twice now.
1: Also, and far more important than that, um, this week on Twitter, there's actually going to be a poll going up to decide what the Patreon movie is going to be because last month, the Patreon movie ended in a tie. So we're going to go to Twitter for the tiebreaker. So if you already voted in last month's Patreon poll and you want to try to support the movie that was voted for, I'm not going to put up that poll until Tuesday of what for me is this week and what for people listening to this on release day is tomorrow. Um, so that if you wanted to revote, you have a chance to revote and it's going to be up for the entire week. So there's that also, there's going to be a new poll that is up by the time that this video comes out. So make sure that you go and check out what our next month's theme is and pick a movie for that because, oh boy, that's going to be fun. I'm after a month of watching three plus movies per week. And then this week of watching this piece of garbage, I, I am really looking forward to our very uniquely flavored garbage next month. Also the rest of this month, because like from this point on, the rest of this month all goes uphill. I am so excited, including one of the movies we will be watching this month, which is just the dumbest, baddest movie ever. And it's so good. I love it. I, I, I
0: guess it. you could call this
1: unofficially, I guess, summer month. Yeah, it's summer fun month this is definitely mm-hmm. summer fun month and, and okay. the third movie in summer fun month is, uh, it's yeah. That's a gonna... guilty pleasure. And it's a guilty pleasure for so many different reasons and not all of them I'm comfortable with, but I'm willing to accept. Um, so that's going to be fun. But until then, uh, next week, everybody, it's the middle of July. And that means it's time to go to camp. What camp? Well, let's find out next week. Until then, I have been W. Adam Clark.
0: My name is Tia, and while we're busy packing our bags for the trip next week...
1: Don't watch
0: this film.